six, seven, eight. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Five Six Seven Eight, a podcast about dance training. My name is Rebecca Verstold, and today's guest is David Norsworthy. Welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> nice that we are doing this. We're currently on a tour with uh, a piece of Ludwig Do called Whatever You Want. And we are in these very nice cabins in Lövånger at the moment. Um, could you introduce yourself? Mm, yes, I can. Uh, my name is David. And I was thinking about how to start an introduction to myself. And maybe I'll start by saying that I can see this luscious green grass outside the window and that I'm wearing a green hoodie that was a gift of someone that I adore and that I'm feeling kind of bubbly in my stomach and part of that is nerves and part of it is excitement and yeah those are some of the things that are present for me right now and I think it's important for me to lead with that as opposed to like leading with maybe a label that I would give to myself but I grew up in Toronto just outside of Toronto actually in a place called Mississauga and that's where I discovered the joy of movement, I suppose. And so my family is still there. And yeah, I guess I'm rediscovering what it means to be Canadian. And I use some air quotes around that. So I am, uh, yeah, a participant in the settler colonial project. And I'm Yeah, recalibrating around my relationship to land. But I still feel a connection to this place that is now called Toronto. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm an ambitious person. <laughs> I'm a person who cares a lot, sometimes too much. And I try to use my words in a way that, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> holds the, holds the significance of what they could be. Like, I think I'm, uh, connecting with people is really important. So trying to say what I mean is a continuous exploration. And I happen to be a dance artist. <laughs> and maybe I'll end my long introduction with that. Nice. I also feel like saying that uh, we know each other because you came to Nordans to be rehearsal director mm. this half season. Um, and that's how we have gotten to know each other. Mm. And a pleasure it's been. Yeah. And a learning curve. 
Caritas. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in this podcast we talk about dance through talking about dance training. So I would like to get to know a bit about your dance training background. Mm. So my first question is, how did you start to dance? Uh, there is a photo of me in an oversized sweater of my mom's, a white zip-up, uh, in a laundry basket, <laughs> striking a pose to, I think, Michael Jackson, I think. And I remember like trying to scoot down the hallway like in this laundry basket without really touching the floor, but just like using the momentum of my hips to like slide <laughs> incrementally along the floor. Uh, so I guess there was always a kind of baseline curiosity um, about moving from a really young age. And when I was maybe six years old, I enrolled in gymnastics classes. And this was one of many activities that I did as a youngster, soccer and hockey and swimming being others, but then gymnastics kind of stuck. Mm. I really enjoyed the challenge of it. Um, but eventually it was actually that challenge that pushed me away from it too. I was training at a high performance level. That's like literally what they call it, high performance. Mm -hmm which is how they categorize the young people that they are going to maybe send to the Olympics one day. So I was doing like 30 hours a week of training, like in grade three or something. Like I was tiny and intense. <laughs> <laughs> and that intensity led to a place where I was being asked to do some things that were kind of scary to me. And so that's eventually why I left gymnastics is because I couldn't wrap my head around how I was going to do some of these things safely. Um, and the story that I usually tell, which now I'm not in, even entirely sure how true it is because I've just told the story so many times, but I was very jealous of the women who get to do their floor routines in gymnastics to music. They seem to have way more permission in gymnastics to like, men have to be very like, I, I mean, I guess the gender roles are just really super strict and maybe neither has more permission or less permission, but there was something about moving to music that I was drawn towards. So then my mom enrolled me in a dance camp and I loved it. I just, I, I was that kid who showed up to his first jazz class in a gymnastics singlet. <laughs> like didn't even know the dress code, like didn't know how to do it right, but was totally full out. <laughs> and then I did like competitive dance and in a North American context, that means uh, a lot of sparkles and a lot of over dramatic reaches through the air, which I still love. <laughs> uh, and then in high school, I discovered modern dance, specifically from a lineage that moves out of L Jose Limon. Mm. And I remember hearing like the word beauty in relation to dance for the first time. Like before it was like, wow, that was so cool. Or that was awesome. And then I heard, oh, 
that was beautiful or like let's be let's make it beautiful and i thought whoa this is a new zone and i found that intriguing so then i kept i kept doing that and then i guess that's how i ended up at juilliard where i did my four years of like very intensive post high school training uh and i graduated in 2013 and since then, my training has been mostly on the job, so to speak. Yeah, being thrown into situations and and figuring it out. Do you remember when you, like early in your dance, when you changed from gymnastic to dance, what was it about that dance camp? What was it about dance that that you liked so much? I think it was the emotional element. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lot that bubbles up in me when I say that because Yeah, I think, you know, the field of contemporary dance at least has some strong opinions around what what emotion is or how it's held or how it's performed or how it's valued even. But I think emotions are very intelligent and I, yeah, I feel like I work with them a lot. Actually, a friend who came to see a recent performance of mine in the fall said, ah, you're working with the materiality of emotion. And I had never thought of it like that. Because um, it was really lyrical dance that first got me. Hmm. Well, what does it mean to work with the materiality of emotions? I think it means uh, to work from a space of authenticity, acknowledging that that is always going to be changing, and then to like be uh, working with and through the things that come up when you try to acknowledge what's present mm. and by materiality I guess I mean that it's not just like whatever happens or whatever you feel but that somehow uh, there is like a kind of work to be done with the emotions that come up I guess going back to what I said before that emotions are intelligent like it's about honoring that there is maybe something being said, like that your body is speaking to you in some way. And then that maybe the action of the performance organizes itself around that data. Hmm. How was your experience at Juilliard? Mm, it was fabulous and terrifying at times. You know, Juilliard is a, is a strange place because, well, I mean, like most young people, you arrive at a training institution without really knowing where you're going to, like what you really want to do. And then you end up committing to something for a while. And I think that, 
circumstance is heightened with somewhere like Juilliard because there are these all of these motivations other than like to actually dance that are wrapped up inside why someone might want to go there um, because obviously there's some prestige attached to the name and it's been in movies and films and uh, and people think that it is maybe the clearest pathway to like a professional life in dance um, and they think it's going to be easy maybe because of that so I definitely arrived at Juilliard mostly just being excited about being in New York and uh, like moving out of my parents' house. And um, I don't really think I knew what I was getting myself into in a sense. And that made me kind of vulnerable at the beginning because I was super willing to be shaped, mm. which is I think part of what they were looking for too. Uh, but I, I had a willingness to be shaped because I didn't know who I was yet. And I think that the information and the experiences of being at that school, maybe in particular, uh, helped me shape myself in response. Mm. Ballet, 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 ballet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like going back to the basics of a, like what is a plie? Mm. which I fucking love. Like, <laughs> let's do basics forever. Um, and it's nice what you say about that you shape in relation or in response to the education that you go through. Like, maybe that's mm. what education is. Yeah, these formative experiences. Some things will work and some things won't work. And maybe... Yeah, maybe it's like a conversation in that way. But that already takes a certain kind of certain sense of yourself in order to like have a conversation when things that are being offered to you often by people who've been successful, again, air quotes, uh, can very easily be received as doctrine. Mm. And I... and. I guess I was not encouraged really to... There was one teacher who really encouraged me to be like true to what I was feeling in terms of the direction mm. that I wanted to go. But overall, I think Juilliard has more of a conservatory feeling in the sense that it is both kind of traditionalist and that it is a place where you train to become something that already exists um, as opposed to a space of education like in response to what you just offered to me f more feels like a space inside which you can meet ideas and questions and then form yourself in relation to that as opposed to aspiring to become one particular thing mm. And how did you deal with, I don't know, the pressure or expectation to become something or aspire to that, what they thought you should become? A dancer at NDT. <laughs> <laughs> did you resist it 
in like during your education not at first mm. um no at first i wanted it also or i thought i did at least yeah but i mean also realistically i don't have the like my body is not flexible enough for instance or i'm not i'm just not that kind of dancer and even if i put in the work i i don't think that i could ever achieve that that particular goal mm. um and maybe i'm stubborn enough about my self-worth to like not want to put myself <laughs> into that uh complex position of wanting something that doesn't make sense for me That sounds like a good thing to be stubborn about your self-worth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got pretty stubborn while I was at school. Um, before I was talking about like, yes, back to basics. And a part of that was that in my fourth year, I was supposed to be training uh, in the like advanced men's class, which to me was mostly about like turning and jumping, which I was not really very interested in. So I had to negotiate with the director to send me back to the level one. And it took a lot of convincing, but eventually I did it. Um, and that, I think that was a really pivotal moment for me because I, I realized that I, I had some agency mm. and that I didn't just have to follow a prescribed model, but I could uh make requests yeah based on some kind of uh yeah justification that i was feeling but that i i didn't just have to take it i could mm. poke around a bit hmm. so if you think about all this dance training that you've been through could you mention some things that you are grateful for that dance training has been training hmm. I think that dance training has made my body sensitive enough that I receive information about my wellness very uh, clearly. And maybe this is because I'm just a sensitive person also, but I feel that maybe it has something to do with the hours upon hours, upon hours, times thousands of, yeah, going into my body through dance training that has made me like acutely aware of when something is off. Um, and that means that I can attend to it usually. Uh, yeah, like an ex-boyfriend of mine was like so amazed that I, you know, sometimes I would just be like, I need spinach <laughs> or like, <laughs> or, or be like really strict about my sleep or something. But it was because I was getting cues from my body like around what I needed to feel well um which yeah why do any of this 
unless you feel like you're in a space where you can enjoy mm -hmm. it. But like I said before, I'm ambitious. So <laughs> that often pushes me out of the zone of wellness, I would say. And along with that, out of the zone of creativity. But I'm still getting, I'm still getting all the data. You know, my body is still speaking to me all the time. And I think I can interpret the signals pretty well. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to stick to being confident on that. I, I can interpret the signals pretty well. How, um, how has that been trained? Sorry, I just had a moment where I was thinking that I like kind of want to ask you questions. <laughs> I, I like we're in this weird rhythm of like me talking, talking, talking. And then there's this empty space where I'm like, I kind of want to know what Rebecca feels about this. But I don't know if this is the right platform to do that. How do you feel? Yeah, you could. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might edit them out or I might keep them. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else that comes up that you're grateful for in relation to dance training? Uh, yeah. How long do we have? <laughs> uh, I mean, the other major thing that comes up for me is um, a relationship to mentor figures. Um, yeah, I mean, I just said that and I'm also like feeling myself that I would like a closer relationship with some people who I really look up to. Um, but I think one of the, one of the beautiful things that dance training has given me is, uh, this kind of intergenerational exchange or to be like connected to a lineage. Um, and in that way it feels significant or like bigger than I am. And there's a kind of nice, hmm. Yeah, I, can, I feel held by that knowledge, like that so many people have been uh, yeah, I guess generating knowledge together that's passed on. And so in that way, things are things are tested and I'm not alone in my experience of these things for the first time. Um, Yeah, but I do. I mean, I'm saying this and I also, I very much would like a closer relationship with some, some people that I'm thinking about and I should email them. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. What are you grateful for from your training, Rebecca? Um... It's funny with this question because there's so many things and it's funny what when 
you get asked it, what is it that bubbles up now? Mm. And now I just had this thought that I feel it's uh, this um, awareness about being alive almost. Mm. Like I feel that the sensitivity that you talk about, in a way I don't feel like I carry it around everywhere in my life. I feel that that sensitivity is very much connected with dancing for me. Mm. Um, And it is when I dance that I feel, uh, yeah, I don't know, very alert and in tune and that I get a lot of information about being a body moving around in a space. Sometimes I feel the opposite. Mm. In what way? Oy, oy, oy. Um, yeah, I think sometimes I feel the charge of dancing. And that... That energy puts me on like a vibratory level in which some of the other things I have a hard time paying attention to. Mm. Like I'm, I'm more busy with the act of dancing itself. E- e- even if I, if I name that I'm working on some kind of awareness, I think often that awareness pops up with more depth when I'm not working on it. Or maybe that's just something that's on my mind now because I feel a bit disconnected from my own dancing at the moment. Mm. And so when I have been dancing lately, it's been like in the middle of teaching company class where I'm like kind of half in my body, half in my brain. And if there was a third half, (laughs) (laughs) it would be like still on my computer or something, Mm. you know. Yeah, so my experience of dancing lately is different. My, yeah. Mm. So you feel like you can actually like turn the way that you are in your body is distinctly different. Or like you get more information from your body when you're moving and that somehow that is not the same like I find that separation Mm. fascinating I think when I dance there is so many like impulses and small directions pulling me and like desires appearing and I think my dancing is about following them all the time but I Mm. don't do that uh, when I go grocery shopping or when I watch a series at home Mm. it's not that like yeah, I'm not as in tune with all of those impulses. And following them in dancing is such a such a pleasure. Mm. But yeah, that's I'm not in that practice right now. <laughs> Would you say that you do that right now? Mm, I mean, I am still getting a lot of information from my body as we talk like that's how i know 
what feels important to say and what feels good to say or when I need to edit what I've said. Mm. Um, there's like maybe a different feeling in my stomach or in the back of my neck or... Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, I get information from my body. But um, I think the action of dancing allows for other things to be heard and acted out. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because maybe if I went more in my dancing body, there would like come different voices. Like now I sit here and I sound very much like myself, mm -hmm. air quotes, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I talk with mm. you in a very sense-making way. If mm. I would connect more to a practice of dancing, I think it would be more fragmented and expressive. <laughs> <laughs> more expressive. Like you're expressing a lot right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But more fragmented. Yeah, maybe less linear. Yeah. Yeah. More contradicting directions. Yeah, I mean, we've also made an... Like, there are certain agreements that also bind us in mm. this moment. Yeah. Um, and so we're working within a... Yeah, we're working within a frame. This is a score. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. <laughs> mm. um, the other day in class, you brought up something you made like three categories that you said as a proposal could like constitute dance class mm. or you found it yeah a part of what a dance class is could we talk about mm. those categories and what what they hold mm -hmm. which one would you like to start with <laughs> <laughs> uh well I think I want to first say that these three categories that I brought up in class were specific to the particular constellation of a Nordans warm-up class prior to a performance. And so there are certain things around the institution and the particular people in the group and uh, the mission, I guess, of us working together as a team that I, yeah, that kind of all swirled around into the equation that became this, uh, this offering to the group. Um, the first one. This cottage is making weird sounds. <laughs> like just on a mo someone on a motorbike? Exactly. <laughs> And it's rain. We're just accepting the land, uh, the soundscape of this space. Does that bother you when something like that is in the background? Is that something no, that you I don't think so. care about? Okay. No. Yeah, so three categories. The first one, I'll just say them first. Warm-up, collective, or... Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What was it even? Uh... Yeah, I think the the title of the second category is 
to be debated a bit. <laughs> like I think I was calling it like collective practice or community coming together as a community or mm. something. And then the third one was uh, professional development. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit in the context of Nordans around the difference between class and practice. And because the group is so diverse in terms of your dancing experiences and needs and interests, um, there is quite a range of ways in which people can move in and out of class. And I think that that is useful and good and um, Yeah, these suggestions are not meant to uh, close down the possibility for people to be inside their own agency. But yeah, the first warm up, this is simply an invitation to like start your engines in a way. Um, and I think originally I was thinking of that mostly as a physical thing because when you get the physical part of it moving, I think a lot of the other things fall into place. It depends on the methodology, but a lot of the other things will flow. But then I think it was in this initial discussion in class where you brought up like that there are a lot of different ways to be warm. And you noted, um, maybe you were thinking about a kind of uh, mental alertness or a kind of, um, social ease or you know these other things that are also maybe kind of like moving from a less organized place into a more organized place or more available place through a class together and for yeah before a, a performance, I think it's important to feel a bit sweaty. Like, I think I said this too, like, let's get sweaty. Um, yeah, and then the second thing is about coming together. Um, because we maybe have time to practice on our own or prepare individually prior to class that the time that is protected for class is also a moment where we meet each other and check in and somehow build a kind of uh, sense of relationship. And that is only possible, obviously, if each person brings their own kind of dancing into the room. Um, so by meeting, I'm not saying that we are duplicating each other or replicating each other rather um, but meeting like bringing your own interests and curiosities and needs to the table um, coexisting in space and negotiating that coexistence negotiating is maybe an aggressive term but um, I guess to note that there is a different way of being individually when we're with each other and to enter into that difference. Mm. Yeah, and then the last thing was around professional development, that by meeting each other, uh, we don't just stay as we are, but that we somehow 
aspire to be porous enough that new things can enter into our consciousness, that we can have different experiences, that we can find different kinds of inspiration in each other as we work and as we see each other working. Um, and that this all might be a process of expanding rather than narrowing. Um, yeah, accumulating as opposed to, uh, what is this, like a uh, funnel? <laughs> mm. Like in some ways I think individual artistic practice like is a really good time to go like, oh, let's get specific mm. and let's commit and let's be unforgiving in a sense. But I think this space of class requires a different kind of mindset for it to be really juicy, especially for a group of such diverse people. Um, and I think in that class, I mentioned this idea of open-hearted recklessness. Um, to, of course, take care of yourself. But a little bit to just, like, jump in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. What did I miss? No, oh, I think you covered it beautiful i mean i think it's nice to um, yeah i mean basically this whole podcast is looking to like give emphasis to that dance training space because i feel that it's so special to me and mm. that it got very cl clear i've always loved class but it got very clear also when i came to nordance and you have this morning class every morning and then you have rehearsal mm. And just how, um, yeah, I think like those categories, like how much I learn, get to meet different teachers and it's all about the, the knowledge mm. and that I learned so much from my colleagues mm. and from our differences big time and that it got so clear in class. And it could take space in class. And in in rehearsal, it can sometimes feel like it needs to be resolved faster. Mm, mm. But in class, it's like you say, it's a, it's a part of the, the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overall, I'm really impressed by the way that you all take class. Um and inspired by it because you know I've been a part of other companies where class isn't taken as seriously mm. and I think partially that's to do with the people who are at Nordans and it's a part of the way that it's like contextualized from a management perspective that it's mandatory <laughs> um, yeah and yet sometimes too when there is a teacher coming in to the space uh, we give that teacher a lot of responsibility and sometimes we and sometimes that means that the goals of class become their goals um, but sometimes that's not useful in a company setting where also we want to be ready for performance or we want to be ready for work so I think I offered those three goals as things that we could hold for ourselves 
Um, and then, you know, if I'm giving a really open improvisation task, um, you still know that the, <laughs> there are these three goals that are, uh, or agreements that we've already made. No, I'm not going to use the word agreement because I don't think we really had a chance to negotiate it to the extent where people could actually agree on it. Um, but I had made this proposal for these goals and that helps people organize themselves inside uh, structures that are more open um, so that then it's not entirely my responsibility as a teacher to uh, lead us to where we're going. Mm. Because sometimes that that responsibility, like to end a class with some kind of feeling of readiness for work, like it's a very specific destination, I feel. Like uh, when you're doing a class as a, as a preparation for work, I can sometimes feel the weight of that responsibility mm. to the extent that it's hard for me to sense into what is is good <laughs> like or what i what what a next step might be uh and so i i appreciated having everyone on board with those goals because it helped me um relax yeah yeah i haven't really formulated a question okay but something that I feel like I notice about your dance practice is that there is a lot of um, there's a care practice within the dance practice like you mentioned it earlier there's um, like we you emphasize like checking in where are you at what are the yeah the emotions and how can you yeah how can you can take care of yourself within the dance class hmm. yeah i have been thinking a lot about the word practice and like the way that you have opened this conversation specifically about this topic started with talking about dance practice and like care as a practice and I'm currently like really in a blur of like not really understanding my relation to the word practice mm. other than the fact that everything is a practice <laughs> like I'm uh, but practice in the sense of there being a kind of activity that I return to this is not something that is really present in my in my artistic life like I do a lot of different things I'm a rehearsal director I'm also a performer inside other choreographers works I make my own choreography and then I produce that choreography I do a lot of teaching. I like am the director of a nonprofit organization in Toronto. I produce and curate a festival. 
I, like and all of the things that come along with that in terms of grant writing and marketing and da -da 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 -da. the list goes on. So while I stumble around the question of like what my practice is, air quotes, so many air quotes in this conversation. I think I want to unpack that later. Like, what is that even? I'm like, just say what you mean instead of like doing that. Uh, yeah. So I'm stumbling around this idea of what my practice is. And yet I'm still drawn to all of these different things. And I circle back a lot, like, but only after like doing like 25 different things in between. So I was out to dinner with a good friend last week and they were like, I was explaining this conundrum to them and they were like, oh, so you're a maximalist. And I was like, yes, I think I'm a maximalist. And that made me this question around practice as something definable is also like more of an art an art market question rather than a artistic question like but when I really do have to like speak about my like what I do then I think ah I do a gajillion different things but there are certain threads like that cohere that Yeah, trace patterns through this these multitudes. And I think one of those things is a kind of care. Um, yeah, sometimes I say process over product, which we hear a lot as a way to organize value in a space. And then I like to add people over process. Um, yeah, process over product, people over process. So then people are the very first priority. Mm. And I guess that's based on a conviction that when we feel good in ourselves, and when we feel good in relation to others, that's when the best work happens anyways. So instead of being caught up in the stress of a particular investigation or a particular like crafting a commodity, instead of getting caught up in either of those things, um, if we first go back to basics and kind of like take care of the fundamental resources that we have, um, which is ourselves, then maybe things will blossom with more ease. Um, yeah, I think there's a really beautiful connection between creativity and self-care. Yeah, and I don't mean self-care in like the, I don't know, millennial, flazeda, like yeah. flazeda, that's a RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, Hashtag self-care. Uh, no, but I just mean like really uh, getting down to business in a sense and getting serious with um, what you 
but you need to thrive, like to set yourself up for success. Air quotes. Yeah, certainly my greatest moments of feeling creative happen when I am feeling aligned. Mm. Yeah. A good meal, a good chat with a friend, a walk outside, a fresh breeze, green grass, picnics, (laughs) (laughs) a dog kissing my cheek. And then I'm like, and then I have a brilliant idea. (laughs) (laughs) And then in terms of uh, the, like a facilitator role, like as a rehearsal director or as a choreographer, I would call these facilitator roles. If then care is important and, you know, I'm paying attention to my, how I take care of myself, then different people have different relationships to care and how they care for themselves so then in this place of facilitation the question becomes how do you create the conditions inside which it is rewardable to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and not punishable in some situations it's punishable in some institutions it is um and also maybe provide some of the tools in order for that to happen. So, yeah, conditions plus tools. And, yeah, and the kind of messy practice of that. And then the work that we make together, like, yeah, maybe it won't be in perfect unison or maybe it won't be perfectly edited to like the duration that's just right but i i am i am hesitant to say it but i don't actually care that much about those things Mm. (laughs) yeah something else that came up in class a couple of days weeks ago Tori's blurry, I don't know, was um, we talked about your personal dance history and all the dance teachers and colleagues that are present in your body. And we were like going through a bit chronologically, trying to um, dance with the memory or the physical presence of an early teacher in our dance training life and like a teacher a couple of years ago and then a very a recent influence and I was very excited by this uh, task and how how easy it was to tap into all these people mm. present in my dancing mm. And I wanted to ask you how you experienced the the presence of all these dancers in your dancing. Yeah, if I'm just moving, I don't necessarily experience the presence of these people. And yet, on an intellectual level, I credit them for all of it. (laughs) 
uh, and it takes some tracing for me, um, which is kind of how I started to get interested in this task. Maybe a couple years ago, I tried it for the first time. Um, and the first time that I did it, I was really working with like specific movements that I found like in my own dancing habits that were quite specifically related to certain choreographers, mostly who I had worked with that somehow their the repetition of their material infiltrated into my habitual patterns. And it was so like, yeah, as soon as I started to notice it more, it became really clear that certain movements were from certain people. Very uncreative, very like, uh, yeah, just stealing. <laughs> and, and I say that with a lot of like humor and play and I, I don't feel bad about that at all. Because also I had given these choreographers my body for their work. Like I had given them so much. So to to take a little bit of their body seemed totally appropriate. <laughs> uh, anyways, so that's kind of how it started. And now it's much more, not, it's much more blurry for me. And maybe that's partly because I've been working with more choreographers lately who are working in a more open way, like really asking for me to show up in a kind of movement vocabulary that I present. And so there is not a kind of uh, such a clear linkage between what I'm the movements that I'm doing and the uh, their aesthetic traces. Um, but what's happening now is more like imprinting a kind of way of working, maybe. And so there are certain choreographers who I feel like their influence on me is a certain kind of mindset that I will enter into. Yeah, and then there's also certain teachers that I find myself emulating when I'm teaching. I mean, I, I have a very porous sensibility, I think. Like, even when I'm hanging around people who speak a certain way, I end up speaking like them in a way that... Yeah, I'm, like, very willing to, like, let go of myself. Which is, I think, why I also struggle with this idea of my practice. But I guess what is mine about it is the particular way that I uh, have filtered this information through my own subjective lens. And then the, yeah, geometry of my body and the infused, uh, yeah, emotional material that we talked about earlier. So 
the stuff that fills up the aesthetic forms that maybe I've borrowed. Those are the things that are mine. And that kind of divine chemistry, in a sense, uh, creates something that is not just many parts, but is actually whole. And that's maybe my biggest learning and why it's a little more blurry for me now these influences being a bit more blurry because maybe I'm stepping into myself in a stronger way mm. or like acknowledging that I am not just these many parts but I am actually a whole <laughs> uh, yeah built on a million gorgeous discoveries by hundreds of people but Yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. Yes. So I'm not sure if what I said made sense, but you can ask me for some clarification if you, it you feel like sense. you need it. Okay. But maybe we're gonna do the last question because mm -hmm. I have this question that I ask all my guests, and it's a little bit uh, silly. Okay. <laughs> but uh, let us uh, follow your thinking and trying to answer this question, because the question is: What is a good dancer? <laughs> hmm. my immediate thought was fuck you <laughs> you're not the only one <laughs> a good dancer is someone who dances people over Subjective dance values. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of courage to dance, actually. Um, maybe we forget that in the field of professional workers in our daily rhythms of things, but it is... Uh, It's a very revealing act mm. and takes a kind of letting go. Takes a kind of letting go. And I have so much respect for, I have so much respect for that. Um, so I think a good dancer is, uh, I don't know if I've ever met a bad dancer. There are maybe people whose dancing doesn't, like, that I don't want to dance myself, but that doesn't make them bad. And there are people who maybe I don't enjoy watching on a certain day, but that doesn't make them bad. Um, and, you know, I think part of this non-answer this refusal of the question itself is also a gesture of kindness to myself because if I define what a good dancer is, then I have the possibility of not being one. And I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think what's important is that we are dancing and that we are 
that in our dancing we are seeking some something mm -hmm. but i think just by dance i think dancing is the act of seeking mm. like i don't know if it's possible to dance without seeking what is a good dancer for you rebecca um, i think a good dancer is someone that gets affected by dancing mm. that can what we have mentioned before like turn on that sensitivity and let movement really take them mm. I think that's a good dancer mm. is there anything else you would like to ask or be asked or add just that I'm happy we had this conversation me too thank you and really um, yeah I appreciate you I appreciate you and uh, thank you if you've been listening to this goodbye ciao Oh, oh, oh.